Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Stand with us is an education NPO that supports Israel and fights anti-Semitism around the world. It believes that education is the road to peace. But how does one get one's message across in an environment like South Africa, where the playing fields are uneven and those who shout the loudest deny Israel's right to exist? Nora Munn and Sam Hyde are from Stand With Us, and they join me now to answer this question. Nora deals with Israel-South Africa relations, while Sam educates on anti-Semitism on college campuses. Sam and Nora, welcome, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having us. Nora, let's start with you. I was talking to a journalist just the other day, and he was saying he believes in a one-state solution, and nothing I said could convince him otherwise. He felt it worked well in South Africa. There's no reason why it wouldn't work well in Israel. You and I both know the arguments and why it can't work. But how does one get a message across to somebody who's not listening? So unfortunately, on college campuses today, especially in South Africa, when Stand With Us is coming in and supporting the students, we have we have passerbyers that come and start shouting at our booth during and during the Israel Apartheid Week. Um, and some people we at Stand With Us, we like to, to describe the 10-90-10, where 10% of people want to listen to what you have to say, or excuse me, there's a 5-95. There's 5% of people who want to hear what you have to say. It's the collective of the pro-Israel community, where we believe in Israel's right to exist as the only Jewish state in the world. Then there's the other 5% of people who have no interest in listening to what we have to say. They have already made up their mind that Israel does not have a right to exist. They're anti-Israel. And then there's the 90% of people in the middle where we know that they're the make shakers. They don't really know anything about Israel. And those are the people that we should be dedicating our, our work towards. I think, Sam, the last time you were on my show, we, we talked about whether that gap is narrowing. In South Africa, we, um, we have a government and a media who are, who have taken a position. Do you think that the 595 might be narrowing? Look, I think the minute uh, government takes a stance or media seem to take a stance at a mainstream level like we have seen in South Africa over the last um, couple of weeks, I think it definitely makes one's job harder if you're coming from, let's say, that 5% in the in, in the pro-Israel community because you don't have necessarily have the exposure of mainstream media or the mouthpiece of, of a government. But that by no means means that... Uh, we need to give up on that. We need, I think, I think it's a telltale sign that we need to push harder. We need to be making sure that the message to that 90% is getting out there, you know, stronger, faster and, and, and as efficient as we can. I think it's really a, a telltale sign of uh, that we need to be as proactive as we can it, it, every day, all day in every space that we can be, especially the spaces where it's spreading. And if I can just add on, that's exactly what Stand With Us is focusing on, where we come in and we want to give the tools and skills to communities, high schools, colleges, universities all across South Africa of how can we respond if someone's asking us a question from a historical lens of what has happened on the ground in what is today the state of Israel. It's interesting. My guest after you is um, Rob Hutchinson, and he is the founder online public poll. And he conducted a poll about whether Miss South Africa should enter Miss Universe. And overwhelmingly, the people said yes. Yeah. So overwhelmingly, South Africans 
probably are, well are supporting her, but they may, that may be irrespective of Israel as as a country. Um, okay, Noah, the tools. You, you, the tools. Let's talk about your ninety percent on a spectrum. And let's say 60% of that 90% are closer towards hating Israel, right? What messages do you think resonate with them? With the anti-Israel side or the pro? Which, which? Oh, sorry. Yes, it's getting confusing. <laughs> with those in the middle, but may be on the spectrum towards anti-Israel. So I think knowledge is power, as people say in South Africa, where if we provide the knowledge of what has happened throughout the story of the Jewish people, for over 3,500 years. And if we tell that story to someone who doesn't really know or has only heard bits and pieces, sound bites of um, Israel's story, I think they're going to be more inclined to really finding, sparking an interest to learn more. And that's what we're trying to do at Stand With Us. We're not trying to convince or manipulate, but instead we're trying to provide knowledge in order for people to to make up their own minds. Yeah, I'll also like to just add to that because I think, um, I think that's something that stand with us as being very effective at is I think for a very long time, when people were speaking about Israel, we kind of spoke about what made us proud of Israel, right? So we spoke about Israel being the startup nation, what it was creating, drip irrigation systems in multiple countries in Africa. But really, that's not where the conversation needs to be happening. Of course, we need to celebrate that. And of course, we need to, you know, still speak about that. But the, the, the conversation that's happening, you know, it's a very challenging conversation. And when people are questioning Israel's rights, to exist. For example, it has absolutely nothing to do with trip irrigation systems or the fact that we created the cherry tomato. We really need to understand which conversation we're in and, and, and be careful that we're not speaking about things that make us feel good about Israel, but stuff that can give a greater understanding of the story of Israel and the story of Jewish people to, to this 90% that don't know anything about. And just to add one more note, to understand that there's nuance to the conversation that it's not us versus them, oppressed versus oppressed, but oppressor versus oppressed. But instead, it's a conversation of, okay, what has happened through the history of the Jewish people, the conflicts and the wars that have taken place, and how that has resulted into these uh, certain current situation? What you say, both of you, makes absolute sense. Uh, where do you think Israel lost the fight in public opinion? I don't think that Israel's lost the fight in public opinion. And I think that, it, that it's, um, I listened to a brilliant thing the other day, a brilliant podcast by a guy named Micah Goodman. And he spoke about this in particular. And he said that very often we speak about Israel's lost the PR battle. And that's an easy way out of the conversation to blame Israel. And it's an easy way for individuals like ourselves to not, uh, to not take some sort of responsibility in this. And, um, you know, there's an interesting thing that I've been thinking about quite in depth when it comes to when we're educating, right? And, and in Jewish custom, like the cornerstone of Jewish custom is the right to question, questioning everything, right? It's celebrated. But when it comes to, you know, education, when I was growing up getting Jewish education, it felt like we focused solely when it came to the history of anti-Semitism on what had happened, Okay. And now what had happened is important in order to remember and commemorate. So what had happened in the Holocaust, obviously 6 million Jews were murdered at the hands of, you know, Nazism, Nazi ideology. Uh, like I said, very important in order to remember and commemorate. But if we want to prevent tragedy going forward, then the question is not what happened. The question is how it happened. So how did it get to the point that uh, 
European society for the most part thought it was a necessary and viable option to murder millions of Jews in the name of glory, right? That's the question. And I feel like, I feel like we find these individual ways out to kind of pass responsibility off on Israel or pass responsibility off on us, uh, on ourselves and organizations, whatever it is. And I think that the power lies in the individual, and that's what we try to do at Stand With Us. We try to empower the individual. So I don't think that, I don't think that Israel's lost the PR war in this, you know, popular narrative that people have. I just think that for, for, for a very long time, we were asking ourselves the wrong questions. So much of Israel's story is reclaiming of our story. There's so much yeah. noise in the world, um, so much anti-Israel noise on the media, social media, on college campuses. And it's very important that we take this opportunity to showcase that the Jewish story is a liberation. We have returned home and we should be proud of, of who we are. Yeah. And also to understand where, like, you know, no, I think we spoke about this quite often in, in the office, like to understand what society we're operating in. It's not 10 or 20 years ago, right? So there's, there's new lexicon of language, for example, there's new societal structures. So there's intersectionality. Now, you know, a lot of people are, oh, well, I can't stand intersectionality. So I'm not going to engage. Well, unfortunately, whether you like it or not, intersectionality is there and it's pretty much not going away tomorrow. So the way I look at it is, well, Zionism has an incredible story to tell, okay, that a people, no matter how downtrodden by their, by their history, by their past, that suffered genocide, persecution of all, of all forms, slavery, exiles, and everything, found within themselves the power to liberate themselves and return to their indigenous homeland. Now, that's an incredible story and can be incredibly empowering for those that we tend to have lost along the way in the conversation, which is a lot of the social justice movements, right? So I think we also need to realize we're working in a very different framework to where we were 20 years ago. And in order to be proactive in this conversation, which is exactly what Stand With Us is doing on a daily basis, we need to make sure we're we're also understanding what, what's happening on college campuses, where the society is at, what conversations, what's the lexicon of language, uh, what are, you know, social structures and what is happening in general in society outside of the conversation of, of Israel, right? Because there seems to be some sort of chaotic identity crisis on college campuses. So why is there this identity crisis going on? And whenever there's an identity crisis, we, we see that the Jewish people kind of become the scapegoats of a society. Now, it's never a rational critique of the Jewish people, in this case, the Jewish state. So we need to get to the bottom sometimes as well. What is that identity crisis going on? Because if we can understand the identity crisis, then us as a Jewish collective can not only deal with that, but we can understand the ways in which we need to be telling the story. I hear what you're saying. I would like to pick up on it. But before I do, I just want to go back to Israel, getting its story out. And, I, and I, while I hear what you're saying, there was a time when Israel was like, oh, no matter what we do, the world hates us. So we just do what we have to do and get on with it. There was definitely a time when that was the dominant kind of thinking. And I think at that time, Israel might have lost it. And I think it might need to, I know it's working hard and, and they have younger people and everything you say is correct. But I think there was a time there was not, not an arrogance, but a, an insular nature of, um, what, what Israel, where Israel was at. 
but we can um, leave that for the moment and just talk about um, identity and Jewishness. Sam, do you think every Jewish community around the world is experiencing the same thing, or are there certain things that are specific to countries? I think for the most part, there's certain threads that are definitely running the same in certain communities. And I think we can learn from each other. I think that the British Jewish community is doing incredible work. What we've seen recently with Priti Patel, what we saw with um, Jeremy Corbyn a while ago being removed from his position as the head of labor for his anti-Semitism. I think it will uh, function slightly differently in, in certain societies, but I think also certain countries are experiencing it at different, at different times. So I think what South Africa is experiencing now is kind of in many ways what America was experiencing maybe eight to ten years ago. Right. Which then gives South Africa, the South African Jewish community, an opportunity to look and be speaking to to leaders in America, be speaking to stand with us, be coming to us, communicating with the American Jewish community and saying, like, look, this is what we're going through. We've noticed this kind of pattern. Where did you guys go right? Where did you go wrong? Where can we learn from this? So I, I think I think the themes to me seem to be pretty much the same, just happening at different times. So sometimes they can seem that they're different. But I don't see much of a difference between what's happening in South Africa now in comparison to America. Uh, you know, that's my personal opinion. I don't know how no. you feel about it. Yeah, I think in today's globalized world, we're seeing more people interconnected in regards to what social media people are following, what trends people are really getting behind. For example, the women's movement, the LGBTQ movement, people are really coinciding with each other as this one collective, which I think is a really beautiful message for the Jewish community. More than ever today, we are more interconnected. We can use each other as soundboards, especially with the work that we're doing with Stand With Us in South Africa. Um, we've been in touch with the South Africa Union of Jewish Students really since 2011, since the inception that Stand With Us launched uh, support to help the students on campus to really share Israel's story. So we need to use it to our advantage that the world is more connected and there is education out there that um, that is available. Yeah, I think we often get into like a defeatist it's look, it's it's a very difficult position that we find ourselves in. We're a massive minority in the world and it does feel and in and, and many cases is we're under attack from all elements of society and and from the world it's overwhelming um but what i've experienced on a personal level from working with stand with us and even just being online is i'm able to daily communicate with you know young jewish voices in the states and in england and uh and in australia and in parts of europe right now there's some days i wake up and i've received some you know horrible dms in my instagram accusing me of terrible things but then I scroll down and there's a beautiful message from a, a Jewish person in France. And then we have a whole conversation and I realize, okay, well, this is how we're going to fight it. Because I think what we see is that when the Jewish community is united, number one, and number two, when they understand their identity and they're willing to connect with that identity, then they're willing to combat the threat to that identity. That's when anti-Semitism cannot triumph. So we have to empower. That's what, one of our main aims at Stand With Us is, is essentially to empower this global network of activists to understand Israel's story, to understand their identity. And I think that that's where the, that's where the key lies. The key doesn't lie in just, you know, shouting at everyone, telling them to fight anti-Semitism. They're not going to fight something unless they're connected to that identity. So you've got to, you've got to 
you know, really speak to them at, at a level in the language that they understand, especially at college, and then really, really get them to understand the beauty of their identity, the beauty behind Zionism. And when they're connected to them, when they understand the importance of it and, and, and the brilliance of, of this liberation movement that is called Zionism, then if there's a threat to that, then they're willing to stand hand in hand and they're willing to like take the problem on. But very often, you know, we can't just expect people to just individually take on the fight unless they're connected to this. So, so that's the key is, 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 is reconnecting, you know, the youth who, who somewhere along the line might feel disconnected to it sometimes often because they're getting these attacks on college campus. But, um, you know, Noah will know she's working, she's working with like King David school and whatever, which is obviously where I went when I, before I'd made Alia. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's where the change is going to come when we're, where the youth feel connected to their Jewish identity. We saw it in Soviet Russia, you know, it was the Jews who felt they're like refusenics. They, they, they almost, they refused <laughs> for what was happening. And, 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 uh, it's when Jews, um, are united and absolutely refuse to hide their identity in the face of adversity that we triumph. The minute we hide our identity or we, we don't engage with what's going on, uh, that's, that's where we see problems start to happen. Uh, Noah, the last question, because we have to wrap up. Do you think you work with King David schools? Do you think Jewish education needs to come from the home, from the school, from external senses? And, and to what extent are the people you speak to receptive to your views? What's so fascinating about the year 2020, aside from the whole world shutting down due to the coronavirus pandemic, was how receptive people were to education, especially coming from Stand With The Side. I've been working fairly closely with the Zionist Federation, uh, with Ronli and Liat, and together we created really a crash course, um, a crash course of five sessions for students from grade nine to grade um, 11 and matric, um, really specific programs that will meet the eye of the student. Um, where we're bringing in information not only about the history of Israel's of Israel and the Arab-Israeli conflict, but also bringing in a, a tour. For example, even with the world shutting down and travel maybe being less accessible, what we did that was so unique for its time and offered it to the King David schools was taking the students virtually to the Jewish quarter. And it was very receptive. We did over 10 crash courses over, over the year of 2020. It started as one pilot. And now actually next week, we're doing a Hanukkah uh, virtual tour with the King David's elementary schools. So we'll be doing grades one to three, um, four to six. And it's, ju- it's still, it's so funny because when you're talking to a computer, it may not feel like you're making that much of an impact. But when you hear six, seven, eight year olds ask, are you really in Jerusalem right now? And our tour guide really being as interactive as possible, getting into character, you, you feel the impact that is, that it is, uh, that it is creating, which is really beautiful. Yeah. I think the Jewish group are craving this. They're craving it. That's the reality. We might not realize it, but they're craving the identity. They're craving the education. So we need to, we need to continue to give it to them effectively. Sam and Noah, thank you very much for joining me. Basically your message is education starts at home, as it were, first, and only then can we go forth. So thank you very much. That was Sam Hyde and Noah Roman from Stand With Us.